glad that you are here this morning. So thankful that we get to kick off a new series uh, post-Easter here. And my name is Chris, one of the pastors here. And we're going to jump right in because I've got a lot of ground to cover, and I'm sure you want to go home at some point here today. Is that a fair assumption? All right, I think it's a fair assumption. So if not, we can just go, right? We can just like get long, long sermon here. All right, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah can be found in the Old Testament. There's a book called Psalms that's uh, in the middle of the Old Testament, and uh, you want to go to the left, about three books between Ezra and Esther, and you'll find the book of Nehemiah. What we're talking about today is we're uh, excited about this forward opportunity that we have, and we're going to look at, uh, briefly, Nehemiah, how he saw ahead, how he had vision, how the Lord laid something on his heart, and he aligned his life with what God was doing. And uh, we want to make sure you understand the time frame that Nehemiah is writing in. So this, what we're going to read here, is written in about 444 B.C. And I want to start off by reading these first two verses in the book of Nehemiah. It says, In the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So what you need to take from here is that Nehemiah has a question of like, hey, how are the people doing? How is the city? Now, to understand the question he's asking, we need a real brief glance back in history here. So in 586 Jerusalem, 586 BC, Jerusalem is destroyed. And then uh, a number of years later, the first wave of people return, and you can read about that in Ezra 1 through 6. The altar is rebuilt, the temple starts to be rebuilt, There's a stoppage of about 10 years, and then in 516, the temple is completed. Ezra, uh, about 58 years later, he leads a second wave of exiles back. And there's really what can be considered a revival that happens. The people who are in the city and the people who returned really focused their attention and their energy on the Lord, and God just, uh, there was a, a, a movement that happened at that time. So about 14 years later, Nehemiah is like, hey, this has to still be going on. There's good things have to be happening in Jerusalem. So he's expecting this thriving reality. But this is the report he gets. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Not the response. And I don't know how you would respond when your heart is in a place for, for people and city and nation. And, and it is just this brokenness that Nehemiah experiences. In verse 4 it says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. This is not like a cry of like, oh, that's sad. This is a heartfelt outpouring of just pain, of mourning. It says, for some days I mourned and fast and prayed before the God of heaven. And I'll give you a perspective. When we think of some days, we're like, well, maybe that was like two or three days. Well, when he asked this question to the time that he goes to the king in the next chapter, it's about three to four months. So Nehemiah has heard this news, and for three to four months he's mourning, he's fasting, he's heartbroken over this reality. And he prayed a lot. Verse 5 says this, the Lord 
the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayers of your servant is praying before you day and night. So this ongoing prayer. For your servants, the people of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are, the far, are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by the great strength in your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. So in his days of fasting, of prayer, of mourning, he's asking God these type of questions. God, what is it that you want from me? What is it that you want overall from all of us? God, what are you doing and how can I be a part? This is Nehemiah's prayer. Then he finishes in verse 11 there, is give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. So there he is, he's repenting, he is asking God, what is it that you have for me to do? When he realizes, oh, I have access to the king. I'm a cupbearer to the king. And as Nehemiah realized his position and his opportunity in that season with the need and where God placed him, he had the opportunity to respond. And I want to tell you is that you are here today in 2020 in the place that you live, the place that you move for a particular reason. So often we think of like, man, if I had only lived at a different time or a different place or a different whatever the reality is. But no, God has you here here now in this season, in this place, in where you move throughout your week for a reason. Because God is always at work, and our call as followers of Jesus is to walk with him. To look around and say, God, what are you doing, and how can I be a part of that? This is what Nehemiah did. Like, hey, I have access to the king. So he goes to King Xerxes, and he goes before him to serve him as wine. And the king looks at him and says, hmm, you've not normally been sad. Why are you sad? This is not a good thing for Nehemiah. That could mean death for Nehemiah because he's sad. You've got to be happy around the king, right? Everything's good. But the king noticed that Nehemiah was heartbroken. And so he asked the question, what is it that's going on? What do you need? And Nehemiah, because he prayed, because he was ready, because he knew that God was working, if you read the scripture there, it says that he prayed again, but he had already been prayed up said to the king these words, Nehemiah 2, verse 5. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his eyes, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. So Nehemiah had this burden on his heart. He had been praying, and then the opportunity presented itself. Nehemiah jumped. And I love what happened in this next part. Verse 6, it says, Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, well, I got your attention, king. 
If it pleases you, may I have the letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted the request. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, and I gave them the king's letters, and the king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. So Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king, has a burden. He responds to God. He responds to the king's question. The king says, hey, I'll give you those things, plus I'm going to send an army with you. And Nehemiah's going like, wow. Nehemiah had access to the power, the power and the resources of the king. And we too have access to the king, the creator of the universe, God himself, who has all the resources. We are called to manage our resources. We're called to steward them biblically, but it is all God's. So he gives permission. He gives blessing. He pours out into Nehemiah, and Nehemiah goes. This is a picture of a human aligning themselves with the will of God. But it wasn't for Nehemiah's glory. It wasn't for the city's glory. It was for God's glory. And 500 years earlier, David had prayed a prayer that Nehemiah was now answering. Because God works in a greater scope of time than just what we see. God looks far beyond what we can see in our limited reality. Because David prayed this prayer about the city that Nehemiah was heartbroken over. In Psalm 122, he said, May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of our Lord, or the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. David prayed this prayer, and Nehemiah was the answer to that. And you know, people have prayed prayers throughout time that we have the opportunity to participate in and be part of the answer. There's people around you that have been, had family members and friends praying for their salvation, praying that someone would come into their life, and you have been that answer, or maybe you will be that answer. There have been people praying for needs to be met, that when we listen to God, God's calling us to step into those needs, step into those opportunities and walk in the way the Lord has for us. So if we were to fast forward in Nehemiah to chapter 6, we see that he completes the building. He completes the project there. And what lay in ruins for 142 years was completed in 52 days. Why? God's will and the people aligned. I mean, it's all God's. His will is being done. Those that stepped up. So it wasn't only the king. It was those that we'll see in these coming weeks here that he called many different people to play a part. It took everyone. It wasn't just Nehemiah. It wasn't just Ezra. It wasn't just the king. It was everyone coming together to be a part. God's ultimate desire is for us to experience peace that comes through Jesus, but also everyone that we walk around and we're around the rest of the week. It's not just about me. Like, just give me your peace, God. That's all I want. No, it's peace through Jesus Christ in everyone's life. It's all of us walking in the will of God and the way of God and those around us too. Because it's God who redeems, who reconciles, who restores us. 
As Paul said it this way, he said, he being Jesus himself is our peace. So if you're looking for peace, if anyone is looking for peace, we look at what Paul had to say saying, it's Jesus. He's our peace. And David prayed for peace within the city. Nehemiah set out to be the answer to that prayer for peace. And we too have the opportunity to boldly be a part of bringing peace, not only selfishly, but to those around us. See, this project in Nehemiah was important because it pointed people to God. It showed what God was doing in and through them. It was an opportunity for them to share in place and space. And it brought new life. It expanded life in what Nehemiah was doing. Nehemiah built upon a vision, with a vision and a foundation that had been laid long ago. It wasn't like Nehemiah was like, hey, I should do something new here. No, he was doing something that God was already working in, and he's bringing new life into it. And we too, we build upon the foundation that Jesus has set forth. We too look toward the future of what God is calling us toward. And it's about gospel. It's about good news. It's about Jesus restoring. See, we here at FBC, we desire for people to know Jesus. We desire for people to walk with Jesus, for you to walk with Jesus. We desire to serve the poor. We desire to comfort the grieving. We desire to heal the broken. We desire to give hope to children and teens and adults. We desire to provide space for people to connect, to know Jesus, and to be known as well. Place and space, it's a blessing. I mean, we're here today in a place and space. And you, the body, you have done and you continue to do the things that I just listed. Informal FBC settings, but even more importantly throughout the week, as you walk and you live out your faith, following Jesus. Now, while Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, I see something that happens in Scripture, is that God is on the move. We see this movement of God throughout all the Old Testament and into the New Testament, and we're often called to go. I think of what God said to Isaiah of, I am doing a new thing, that God takes the old and moves into a new season, and then moves into a new season. I mean, I don't see scripture in, in there saying, hey, I'm doing an old thing, so just sit there and manage and sit and be. But that's comfortable though, right? I mean, like if something is good and it feels like it's healthy and like it just appears good, it's easy just to manage. Of like, I'm here, I'm comfortable. I mean, I like order. I like comfort. But God is calling us I'm doing a new thing. Like Nehemiah, he could have been just comfortable and said, oh, it's too bad for them. Someone else will do it. God is doing a new thing. And as a church, we have been abundantly blessed over the almost 40 years that we've been here by the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of you and so many others who have come before all of us. Family Altar Chapel in Battle Creek, almost 40 years ago, had a heart for Marshall. And they sent Pastor and Pam Gurton here to reach Marshall, to share Jesus. 
And the Lord took what was a small church plant, just where our kids gathered this morning in the youth room and that entry space that you may have come in. Took that small church plant, just a small dirt parking lot, to where we are today. Ministry locally and globally. You being here, those online, first service, those who come at different times, connection into our neighborhoods, ministries around the world. God has blessed and expanded the impact. And it's not for our name or our glory, it's for his. And so before I tell you what's coming next, what forward looks like, I want to take a moment for you to hear uh, from two individuals. uh, Speak about the foundation that we continue to build upon. Let's take a look at this video. Hi, I'm Richard Gurton. I am the founding pastor of what was then Family Altar Bible Church here in Marshall, Michigan. Hi, I'm Pam, and I'm the pastor's wife. I had left a job with a major corporation a little over a year prior to coming here to Marshall, Michigan. And I left that job because I felt God calling me into ministry, never thinking it would be pastoral ministry. As it turned out, the church that we were attending in Battle Creek, the Family Alder Chapel, was booming at the time, and we had a lot of people coming from Marshall. And the opportunity presented itself to uh, start a church plant in Marshall, Michigan. Many people don't know this, but Dick and I would like go for a ride, and we'd end up in Marshall, and we'd drive by that little church. And we would look in the windows and say, wouldn't this be something to have a little church here? Well, on January 8th of 1984, we had a dedication service in the afternoon. And we had uh, the pastors from Battle Creek here, and a lot of people came over, and the church was pretty well packed. On January 15th, though, we had our first service. And as I recall, we had about 60 people in attendance. Well, we came here just to try to win uh, people to Jesus Christ in the Marshall area. Uh, We did not have the room to do a lot of anything. Uh, All that was there was the hallway, which is now the south entrance, uh, up and then the sanctuary, a little kitchen and a little nursery and a church office. In uh, uh, probably 1987, the church, we had pretty much stabilized our congregation. We started raising funds to build and uh, what we did is we put up a, a, the building that's now on the west side, which is the education wing, the children's education wing. Every Wednesday night, the men met in the basement, the women met upstairs, and then every Tuesday night, the youth met in the basement, and every Sunday morning, there was a Sunday school class over there. We ended up working together as a church, raising the funds and building the sanctuary, the church operates in now. That was an exciting time to see that come together, but we went into some debt. But God blessed us because within 10 years, we paid off that building. Uh, Sometimes you have to take steps of faith, and the church continued to grow. God was just leading. He was stopping. He was guiding. And I've looked back over the years, and I see many times where that happened that way. We were going down a road, and suddenly something would happen, you ask yourself why. Two years later, you look back and you see why God was directing. And so 
I, I said it before and I say it again, is this was all God's work and it was his plan. We just simply were trying to figure it out as we went. We live in a world today where it seems like there might be, in many people's eyes, a lot of darkness, but Christ is always the light. And the scriptures point that out time and time again, and that we need to be the, the proclaimers of that light and to let our light shine. And as long as the church does that and uh, stays true to the scriptures, I think God will bless us. Jesus said in John 15 that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that's, that's, that's the message right there, love. When you look now, it all seems so easy and you come into this nice building and all of that, but it was really hard, really hard work. We really felt like we were right in the center of God's will and everything that we were doing at that point was um, for God. What, what happened here is nothing more than the work of the Holy Spirit. And I, I really feel that I was ignorant. I didn't know what I was doing. I just kept praying and asking God what he wanted. And the glory of God is our call, that what we do is for his glory, whether it's the salvation of souls, whether it's discipling people, to help them grow in Christ, but what, no matter what it is, it's to His glory, not ours. And if we keep that in mind, we'll be okay. Pastor, at the end, he, he said, you know, if we keep the glory of God and uh, what we're called to in Scripture at the forefront, we'll be okay. And as a church, we have existed and we continue to exist with these three realities in mind, is that we want to be a church developing followers of Jesus to serve, to reach one more. So let's develop and serve and reach. And so what does it mean to move forward? We are excited for our, what God's going to do, and I want to break it down in the small remaining uh, time that we have of what is coming here. First, we want to grow forward to develop, the first part of that. We want to grow forward, and so over the next six weeks, we're going to do exactly that. Six sermons, six Sundays, six opportunities to worship, six opportunities to come together, and I encourage you to be here. Whatever it takes, be here. If you have to miss for whatever reason, find online, watch, because we're going to build every week. This will become a clearer and clearer picture that we'll begin to walk together. And so make sure that if you miss, uh, watch it. If you can be here at whatever cost, please do that. We are going to talk about what does it mean to move forward in faith, in generosity, in joy, to move forward as family. And so not only every Sunday... What we want to encourage you is the booklets, which I'm going to encourage you to look at later, uh, in the back portion, there are devotions in there written for you from people here in the church. There's a team from the church here that had prayed and wrote every single one of these devotions. There's prayer prompts in there every day. And then at the end of every week, too, there are questions for you to process. So if you're in a community here, a small group, you can do that in your small group. Or maybe in your home with someone, you can process these questions. But they're intended to be shared together. And so we encourage you to be a part and grow and develop during this time. 
Another way you can develop is through a prayer and worship night. On May 11th at 6 o'clock, we're going to gather right here, and we're going to worship, and then we're going to break up into different groups, and we're going to pray all over the church and the property, uh, pray for ministry, for people, for salvation, for discipleship, uh, to pray for what's coming. And we encourage you to be a part of that night. Uh, We'd love to have you here. And so we want to grow forward as disciples by developing, but we also want to serve. We want to grow forward to serve. Is We cannot just focus on ourselves. We have to be a church that continually looks around and how can I minister? How can I be the hands and feet of Jesus in my workplace and in my school and my neighborhood and whatever group you're involved in? Is that we want to serve our community. And that's through organized realities within the church, but also beyond that. And so we want to continue to make bridges and connect in with organizations around the community and ministry that's happening in the community to serve here and serve Marshall so that we can connect this life-on-life interaction. And this forward initiative to serve is also going to allow us to serve one another here at the church through uh, space and place and people and, and connect and create realities for our children and our youth and our adults to have more ministry opportunities for our small groups, our prime timers, our lighthouse, our mustard seeds, so many other groups and ministries, and also the formation of new ministry. I think of how we're serving now and how we've served over the last number of years and the possibilities of, that we've had because others before us have taken steps of faith. I mean, if other groups, other people who have come before us, many of you who sit in this room and who sit in first service are part of those steps of faith, if those steps of faith had not been taken, our reality would be very different. We'd be doing like 15 services in the, you know, the youth room, right? We didn't have a sanctuary to gather in. So this opportunity to serve one another. We also want to grow forward to reach. And this is the heart, is to reach. This is the life-on-life reality. This is what you've heard me say, and I'm going to continue to say it, and you're going to get sick of this maybe, I hope not, is that we want you to have a one. Every child, teen, adult to have a one. And what I mean by that is someone who's not walking with Jesus. Maybe they had a relationship with Jesus, or maybe they never have. But that you are intentionally investing in that person. Not as a project, because you will be called out as a giant fake if this person's a project but a sincere relationship because you love and you care for this person. Someone that's local to our context, someone that you are rearranging your life. You're spending time, you're praying for, you're knowing what's going on. So we want everyone to have a one. And the reason why is that it makes us intentional. You can pray for your entire family, your entire workplace, and the entire world for salvation. That's wonderful. But when we're intentional, we have a face and a name And we change. We change how we interact, how we care, how we pray. We want you to have a one. So far this year in 2022, we have celebrated uh, 19 baptisms. We have celebrated um, 13, well, 14 actually this morning uh, with rededications or salvations. That's what the light bulbs represent if you've not been here before, is that every light bulb represents a life. Someone this year who has given their life to Jesus or who have rededicated their life. And so we turn a bulb, and it represents a, a, a life and a light. And what I'd love someday is that it has to be so bright that, like, Patty's over here with sunglasses on, right? Because it's just bright and shining, and that I'm getting complaints of, of that it's too bright. And it's like, yeah, that's good. That's the way it needs to be, because that represents lives. 
And so over the last number of weeks, we've talked about the gospel, the good news. We've shared the opportunity to receive Jesus or rededicate your life. Last week, I talked about on Easter, talked about repent and believe and follow. And I challenge you to respond, maybe to one or all of those. And so I want to pause just for a moment. It's like we did in first service and someone responded. Is that if you have recently rededicated your life to Jesus, or if you for the first time have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've not yet turned a bulb, I'm going to give you an opportunity to walk forward and to turn a bulb. I won't make you say anything, um, but just as a public proclamation that you've rededicated your life uh, or you've received Jesus. Is there anyone that likes to turn a bulb this morning? Be bold. All right, so this is the challenge. We're sharing the gospel. We're praying for people to, to, to know Jesus. There's empty seats. Let's, let's share. Let's respond. It's an opportunity for us to continue to reach one another. So the second part of this campaign, the first one is about reaching, about having that one, and we're going to continue to talk about that throughout. The second part is about physical space. And this seems like the bigger mountain, the bigger reality, but really salvation is. It's Jesus, people knowing Jesus, that's most important. But the second part is motivated by having that one. It's creating and utilizing physical space to accomplish the mission. In the interview we watched, Pam said something that struck me when I watched it the first time and just noticed it again here. She said, all of this looks so easy, but it was really hard. None of us understand what Pastor and Pam walked through throughout the many years of them serving here. And many of you walked alongside them, knowing in part. But it's because of that sacrifice, that faith, that we have the spiritual and physical foundation that we enjoy and benefit from. Others have took the steps of faith in the past so that we could be here today. I mean, you think about the building of the education wing, and I think about how our kids and how adults and so many people have used that education wing. I think about the expansion of the ministry and mission focus and sending missionaries, how the reach around the world has been impacted by people here in the church, by physically going and being a part, but also supporting missionaries around the world. The opening of the lighthouse pantry and the clothing closet, how so many of you have been transformed and grown in your faith while serving and meeting physical needs in the community around us. I think of the current sanctuary we sit in, of how we benefit from that every Sunday and every gathering we have in here. The opening of the union, how many middle school students and groups and our young adults connect and grow and how people have connected to Jesus and each other in that space. Think of the softball field and the walking trails out there, how relationships have been formed, people have been connected to one another through athletics and, and simply by walking outside too and connecting with God. And many of you have faithfully given in the past. And many of you will have the opportunity to give in the future. And it's the gifts given in the past that have allowed us to have the conversation we have today. They're catalysts for the reality of now. And I want to say thank you to everyone who has given and given faithfully. So last fall, the deacons started asking the question of what's, what's next? Like what roadblocks stand in the way and what is God calling us toward? 
And what we share here today is really the results of that. And since January, a number of teams have met together who have prayed and processed and planned and dreamed about the future. And so what I want to tell you about tonight is, or this morning is just a snapshot. I'm going to tell you about how you can get more information in just a short while here. But we want to continue the mission by providing space and place for our church, our community, and the world around us. This space that we dream of and envision is a space where there's a large connection and community area before and after services. I mean, these hallways are rough, right? I mean, you're just kind of going through and it's intimidating and there's a lot of people everywhere and there's not a good space to stand and connect and many of you stay in here after service, which is fine, um, and you connect here. But imagine a big, large open space where there is connection opportunity. Imagine a space where guests and visitors walk into and they can clearly see, hey, that's where the sanctuary is or that's where I grab a cup of coffee or this is where I drop off my kids or whatever that may be that's just clear because of that space. Imagine a brand new kitchen where meals and gatherings can be easily done because of the space that's there. Imagine a large, dedicated youth space. Did you know that our middle schoolers, the 20 or 30 of them that meet every week on Tuesday nights, they meet in the lobby out there? Because the rest of the church is filled with kids for Awana. They don't complain. Nick doesn't complain. But they meet out there. This growing opportunity gives a place and a space for kids to invite, students to invite their friends to. New adult classrooms for meetings, gatherings, prayer, discussion, study, friendship, ministry. Multiple spaces for groups here and community groups to use throughout the week. New bathrooms. This project will allow us to secure our kids' wing. We have adults going back and forth there, and I love our, our safety team, and I love our teachers. They're very intentional, caring for your kids, but it will secure that wing where there'll be a new entrance where we'll come in. So only teachers and parents with tags and our kids will be back in that space, even more secure. We're also really excited about an indoor playground. And not only for our kids here on Sundays and Tuesdays and other things, but imagine moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas throughout the week in our long winters and our springs coming into a place and connecting with one another and connecting with you. Community, connection, place and space for the mission to go forth so that we develop as followers of Jesus, so that we can serve, so that we can reach one more for Jesus. Imagine your ones, imagine other ones, imagine people meeting Jesus. That's why we're doing this. And so here's, here's where we go. We're asking everyone who's a part of this church on a consistent basis to really listen to this next step. If you're visiting or you're checking this out, you're welcome to listen and you're welcome to participate, but feel no obligation, just continue to listen. This is for those of us that call this church home. We want you to sacrifice in two ways, and I intentionally use the word sacrifice. The first way is sacrifice relationally. Some of you are like all nervous about ones and I don't know who this is, is that you're very intentional about this relationship. This is a friendship that you're praying for this person so that you sacrifice and you have a one. Maybe one day that one will know Jesus. It may take 15 years. It may take 15 minutes. And then the second thing is to sacrifice financially. So we're asking you above your regular giving that you would maybe think about what is something that I can give up in order to participate? And maybe that's $5 a week or maybe that's 500 We have been using this phrase is that we're not asking for equal gifts 
but equal sacrifice. That we are in this together. Because if you remember, Nehemiah called on everyone to play a part in the building. And everyone shared in that joy and the response when it was done. Because everyone was a part. Because this is about developing and serving and reaching. So how do you respond? This is how you respond today. First thing is you pray. That's what I'm asking you to do, is pray. And when you're done praying, that you pray some more. For those of you that are like, this is awesome, I am so excited, let me just give you all this. No. Pray. We want it to be a God response. And God may be in that excitement. Probably is. That's great. But, hold on. I want you to pray on this. What is this response from God? For those of you that are resistant, saying this is terrible, I can't believe you're doing this, this is such da 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 all the different reasons, I'm going to ask you to pray. Why? Just like those that are super excited, why are you excited? If you're not excited or you're resistant, why? Pray. That's all I'm asking is just ask God. Allow God to mold your heart. And maybe he's going to affirm whatever that is that you're excited about or you're struggling with. Maybe he won't. And the second part is important in that prayer is this to participate. We want you to participate. That's why I said the next coming five weeks, participate. So on Sundays, if you're a part of a group, do that. If you participate with these devotions, participate in prayer, participate in the worship night, uh, participate any opportunity that you have to get a fuller picture of what this looks like. And especially we want to encourage you to participate with vision gatherings. So you may have received a postcard you may have received a phone call that you may have ignored from your deacon. Or you may be going like, what are you talking about? I didn't get either of those. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. We want you to come to a vision gathering. And what this is, is this is going to be a night that we are going to further expand what I've been trying to talk about in about 15 minutes. We're going to spread this out. We're going to hear more testimony from people. And we're also going to have questions and answers. We're going to, I'm going to give you clearer pictures of what's going on. And... I encourage you to come. So there are nine different vision gatherings over the next week and a half, four different days, one in the afternoon, there's some in the evening, there's different locations, there's one with childcare. I mean, there's all sorts of opportunities because we want everyone to come. So please come. And you can go onto our website and click the forward button, and then there'll be another button that'll say, what does it say? Sign up for vision gatherings. And then you can pick your night. So please respond to that. We'd love for you to come. And before you do that, we'd love for you to read this, too. So read, uh, because a lot of your questions will be answered in here. And so we'll answer questions, but uh, at those vision nights, I may just say, hey, that's in the booklet. Uh, you can look at it there. Um, so come with uh, whatever that may be. So where are we at? participate. We're going to pray some more. So we're praying. We're participating. We're praying some more. And then the third thing is we're asking you to commit. May 15th is going to be Commitment Sunday. So in the coming weeks, you're going to walk in here. There's going to be a card on your seat. It's going to say you're one. And we're going to ask you that if you've identified a one, that you write your one's first name down. And then on the other side, we're going to ask you, what is that commitment that you're making? And again, you're going to understand more of this as you read the book and, uh, and you go along. What is that commitment towards this campaign that you're making financially? And if you don't get a card here on Sunday, we'll make sure you get one. Uh, we'll put one of those in your hand. And on the 15th, we are going to put that before the Lord. And then on the 29th, we're going to celebrate. We're going to come back two weeks later, and we're going to say, hey, we have identified 
100 new ones in our church that we're praying for, that we're investing in. We're going to celebrate that. We're also going to celebrate the financial commitment. Hey, our church has committed X amount of dollars towards this campaign. We're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate what God is doing with that. So, pray, participate, commit. If you have questions, you're like everyone else sitting in this room. All right? And standing in this room. I'm still answering questions, trying to figure them out. Read the booklet. Come to the different events. Be a part. This is going to unfold, and you'll have a clear picture of what this is. Nehemiah, he saw a future. He saw a possibility. Those that have come before us saw a future and saw a possibility. Nehemiah, he, he grieved, and he prayed, and then he went to the one who had it all. We go before the Lord the same way is that we realize that we can't accomplish this with human means. This is not for human glory. But we go before God and we say, this is all yours. Lord, help. Help. Guide us. Direct us. Give us wisdom. So what we're going to do is we're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to pray a chunk, a couple sentences here. And then I'm going to say, would you just pause and pray for whatever it is? And however you're feeling led, that you just take a moment um, here. So I'm going to pray a couple sentences, pause, and we're going to do this a couple times. So I realize that I just shared all sorts of information, and you're like, that was a lot. It was. And so we want to calm, and just for a moment, calm our hearts, our minds, and we want to close our time here in prayer. So let's just pause, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your faithful love for us that never ends and your mercy which never ceases. They are new every morning. Lord, great is your faithfulness. Lord, your God. You created the heavens and the earth. You put everything in place. You made the world to be lived in a place of order, not a place of empty chaos. So would you pause just for a moment and give thanks to God. You are the Lord, and there's no other. You publicly proclaim bold promises. Lord, we trust them. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given to us here at FBC. We thank you in advance and in faith for providing for us. Lord, for you hold all things. Thank you, Father, for being a protective hand around us, for our congregation, families, and all those involved in this project. You take a moment and pray for God's protective hand and provision.
Lord, may your kingdom come. Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your word declares that for the lack of advice, plans go wrong. But with many advisors, there's success. So we give thanks for the many who have discussed, prayed, planned, and even more to come. But thank you ultimately that you are our advisor. So would you pause for a moment and pray for the kingdom to come, God's will to be done. Lord and Savior, we ask that you'd bless, that you provide, and Lord, that we would be a church that prays for and speaks of and proclaims salvation and growth and development and discipleship. We ask that you would provide our needs. Father, I pray personally and I pray for each one of us that you would stir up faith within each one of us, that we would walk not by sight, but by faith. We pray in faith that many will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, that disciples will be formed, that healing and hope will be proclaimed and discovered because of this effort. Would you pray for salvation and discipleship? Lord, as a, a church family, help us not to yield to temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Lord, forgive us our sins. Holy Spirit, remind us of those that we need to forgive and whom we need to ask for forgiveness. Holy Spirit, cleanse me. Cleanse us, wash us clean. Just take a moment, confess. Ask for forgiveness. Yours, our Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Lord, everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Lord, we adore you. That you are over all things. Lord, we're thankful. God, that you call us forward, we call us, you call us into participating in the mission that you're on. And so, Lord, I pray that we would continue to be in step with you. Lord, as Nehemiah saw a need, God, he responded and the people responded as well. God, we pray for faith like Nehemiah and faith like the people. Lord Jesus, you are the ultimate provider and we trust you. So, Lord, we pray these things in your powerful name. Amen.